before we get started on the second part of our review of Infernal Affairs and the Departed, I just want to let you know that our upcoming episode will feature a new guest talking the new sensory phenomenon, ASMR. So stay tuned. And now, The Departed. Okay, so now that we move on, we move on to The Departed, uh, released in the year 2006, won won the award for Best Picture at the Oscars, a solid cast starting starring Matt Damon, Leonardo DiCaprio, Mark Wahlberg, Martin Sheen, Alec Baldwin, Jack Nicholson, uh, Vera Farmiga, and Anthony Anderson. So, I guess anybody who can do a Boston accent, right? For, for anyone in Hollywood who can do that. Um, <laughs> Yeah. So did Anthony Anderson do a Boston accent? Uh, oh, I see. <laughs> <laughs> That's a very good question. I don't know. I can tell you that Vera Farmiga tried in like the first twenty minutes of the movie and then gave up. There was, yeah, there and was just, different levels of effort across yeah. the board. Um, Hers definitely fluctuated throughout. <laughs> um, but on the topic of the Boston accents, um, let's talk about kind of the, the background of this movie. Um, you know, Dan, you had brought up in our review of the Infernal Affairs, you you had wanted to see more about the Hong Kong gangster culture, you know, the Hong Kong city itself. What did you think about incorporating the whole background of the Boston neighborhoods, the Boston mob? Uh, did it, did that work out well for this movie? Well, I th- I thought that they uh, did a better job of filling out the characters early in the movie. I think, you know, this was, obviously they did this after Infernal Affairs, so they had the benefit of being able to, um, you know, kind of take that template and and embellish it where they thought they needed it. Um, But I I think, yeah, establishing more about, particularly the Matt Damon and Leo DiCaprio characters early, and kind of, I thought they gave more explanation to the background of Leo DiCaprio's character compared mm-hmm. to Tony Long's at the beginning of Infernal Affairs. Like, why is he going into the police department? What is his motivation? What is he, um, you know, going for? So uh, they they were able to do that. I think they they dig a little bit deeper into the the sort of Boston gangster world, um, but it is still there's still elements of stereotype there. So it's it's not gritty and realistic. I don't think, <clears throat> but I I think. There's also more interplay with the characters at an early age, too, I think. It, kind of seeing these two guys going through the academy at the same time, mm-hmm. being in the same room as they're taking the exam, um, you know, stuff like that. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. Jeff, what did you think? Um, <laughs> you hate it? Just like you hate it. Jump on it immediately. I'm, I'm biased. I'm yeah. biased. Fuck China and fuck the departed. <laughs> <laughs> okay. As as fair as I am going to try and be here, I... I I just, I've seen the Boston gangster flick before, okay? And I've seen the undercover flick before. And, I mean, like, I've seen a Hong Kong movie. I've seen the Hong Kong gangster flick, too. I've seen the undercover cop flick for Hong Kong, too. Like, it's it's not these elements that make a movie great. So, yeah, you know, you can throw it against the backdrop of, um, Boston just fine, but like, don't try and make Boston the like the next main character. You know, I I think that they 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 like leaned into the city pretty hard. 
into this whole thing, you know? Like it like they tried to shove a Whitey Bulger character in there. I mean, that's Jack Nicholson's character. I mean, it's this is not based off of a true story, you know? This is not like yeah, you you can't just shove it in there and then try and like make some allusions to some Histor- like you know historical figure that may or may not have existed in this in this manner back then and and make it work my problem with it is that they like this and scorsese does this a lot scorsese oftentimes sets these films to like gorgeous backdrops in cities that like have a character within them but here i think that like the the character of the boss like of the city being in Boston and everything like that kind of detracted from everything else. I get that there is a little bit of like additional character development in there, but honestly, I didn't think that either one of like DiCaprio's character and Matt Damon's character, I don't think either one of them was like a particularly sympathetic guy. I thought Jack Nicholson was garbage. Well, like, what, I, what, I, what does that have to do with Boston though? Like their well, characters. Not, I mean, like I, I think I think the whole reason that they did that was to show that oh, you, okay, you know that you have these guys that are from Saudi, and then you have these guys that like are from I don't know wherever it's not South Boston. <laughs> all right. And then, <laughs> looking at yeah. no, I'm serious. Yeah. I mean, like seriously, like you know, you you it's the same it's the same thing with Chicago. I don't know anything about Chicago, but I know that there's a South Side in Chicago. You know, so if you're gonna set it up. In, I mean, you could have easily have set this up in, in Chicago or in like one of the, you know, uh, one of the other boroughs in New York City or something like that. It, it didn't seem like the city mattered that much, honestly. There wasn't like a whole bunch of history behind it. They just tried to force it in there. Well, and that's, I, I, I the think you had, I, like, it had to, ha- it had to be a city that, that there is known mafia activity, right? You couldn't have put it in like fucking Seattle or something or Portland. No, I know that, that. that's what I'm saying. Like yeah. because there's, I, I've been to Seattle now, and Seattle is gorgeous, and even the, its worst side, you know, is 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 pretty nice, you know. But like, it, you could have done this in Oakland, you know. You could have done this in, you could have done it in Chicago. You could have done it in, you could have done it in New York City. You could have done it in any of the traditional, like crime city like movie scenarios and it would have worked just the same but because they put it in boston because they tried to make boston a character it it seemed a little forced to me and that's i mean that's just with the aspect of like the setting of it i think i honestly think that martin scorsese fell in love with that fucking song and i was just like yeah let's make it fucking irish people and then like that was that was the end of it well there's there's really two songs you used one is the the flogging molly boston song which is in like every movie about boston gangsters ever uh and exactly. then the and then rolling stones give me shelter which was also in goodfellas he like uses it because i think because he's friends with Mick Jagger, he just gets the permission and he's using it every, every movie so it was a budget decision can we use it again yeah <laughs> i i think uh I, I think some of the criticisms you have, Jeff, are, are criticisms of Scorsese, Scorsese movies as well, uh, and I would definitely I, I, agree with that. And 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 also the the Jack Nicholson hamming it up. Some of the characters were just way over the top. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Did, right. did, did you think Mark Wahlberg was way over the top? Like his, yeah, he he yes. he manifested Boston to the best of his abilities. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know what? I I I like Scorsese films. I really do. Um, I do, I did not like The Departed. 
I think Goodfellas is a great movie. I think Taxi Driver was a great movie. I think Raging Bull was a great movie. He's done phenomenal stuff. You know, he's done stuff that has like moved me that has like kind of pushed the envelope on, uh, on gangster movies generally. But this was not one of them, you know, and, and uh, like I, I'm not trying to hate on Scorsese, and I know that there are kind of like Casino, for example. Casino is a phenomenal fucking film, and it uses Vegas as a backdrop, and Vegas is a character as well. But that's you know that's kind of a unique scenario where that works. You know, this is not this is not a this is not a city driven film. This is a, this is like a culture driven film, and you you are you're taking like the broadest strokes of a culture that is possible, and you're kind of just like. Yes, now go, you know, and and telling and telling your actors to run with it. So I, I wonder, has Scorsese ever had to do a re or not had to do a remake, but has he ever done a remake? Because when you watch The Departed and you you know, and especially right after you watch Infernal Affairs, like some of the scenes are almost exactly alike. I feel like I feel like The Departed really didn't have that much creativity other than the setting, other than the city, right? Mm-hmm. okay what would you like to say jeffrey (laughs) i mean i don't think that it's creative just to put something in a city you know if it's done well Mm -hmm. then that's that's where the creativity lies but just choosing a setting that's in the united states that's not creativity in itself just just seeing uh, you know drawing inspiration from a film like the and don't get me wrong you know what if Scorsese enjoyed this film i'm glad if he wanted to make this as a tribute to that film i'm glad that's great good for him but don't come don't come out and 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 say like you know what i can make this better because i'm going to put it in boston and i kind of think that that was the idea that he went in with i think he had a story that he wanted to tell kind of and then he saw this film and was like, man, that's also a good story. And then he took his the two stories and kind of just like combined them together and prayed that it would work. And it didn't for me. It just didn't. There were – I thought there were certain things that with The Departed Coming Second that they did better, such as the – you know, filling out some of the, the character backstory at the beginning. But there were other things that I they made changes to that I didn't think worked as well. Uh, some of the suspenseful scenes, some of the, the – the suspense, I think, dropped off. Um, particularly, there was a the scene in Infernal Affairs where they're tapping out Morse code to try to communicate between um, the, the the police mole within the gang and um, the two moles are trying to like uh, understand w- which one is communicating with with each other. And uh, th- th- I feel like that was a lot more suspenseful than the scene that happened in The Departed, where basically um, they warned their respective bosses about what was going on, and then there was this whole thing where. Jack Nicholson got away because they forgot to put security cameras in the back of the warehouse, yeah, yeah. Um, which wasn't as elegant a solution as Morse code and everything else like mm-hmm. that. Um, also, yeah. the character of the psychiat- psychologist, the, mm-hmm. the female character that both uh, the Matt Damon and Leo DiCaprio characters had interactions with, I did not like that character. Oh, yeah. Was... Absolutely. She just was like had no uh for a psychologist was kind of manipulated by both of them <laughs> repeatedly that's and, true uh, yeah I didn't think about that. Just, yeah just uh, <laughs> was not a good character yeah that I, I think she is probably one of one of my biggest problems in the movie the fact that they they tried to combine the love interest and the fact that she was 
kind of the the love interest of both of them really did not contribute to the plot at all. So why why even do it that way? Nope. Why not just have nope. yeah. two two separate lovers and just keep it keep it as the original was? Like she never she never Budget brought limitations. What's that? <laughs> Budget limitations. Uh, yes, <laughs> I, I guess I guess that's true. Uh, but yeah, I mean she never got them in the same room. She like yeah, it, it was just completely pointless going back to that to the uh to the gangster scenes the instead of morse code uh instead of morse code they did the most uh the most ambitious texting ever which is pocket yeah, texting. pocket texting yeah pocket texting on, with on the flip, flip phone, phone. yeah <laughs> they, they gotta have like competitions for this sometime you know like a like a text message Olymp- <laughs> olympics with the uh what what was that even called? I, I don't even remember when you texted with the numbers and you had to click like three times to get to like. Oh, I don't know what that is. It's not yeah. the QWERTY keyboard. <laughs> yeah, it's not the yeah. QWERTY keyboard, but it's the other kind of uh, yeah. texting. But yeah, that that, that part was. Just, I mean, I, like if you're going to be so close to the source material, like why don't you just keep the Morse code? Because the Morse code thing was really cool. I thought. Uh, okay, well, here, here's the thing with that, though. I, I think that, like, part of the reason they wanted to do that was because that was such an iconic thing in the, in the Infernal Affairs movie. It's like, wow, shit, you know, that's so cool. Like, he's wearing a cast and this, this, and that. That's, that's awesome, you know? And I, I think Martin Scorsese wanted to take, like, a part of it by himself. But, I mean, part of the thing with using that sort of technology is you necessarily date your film. You know, like it can't go past a certain portion here. I mean, it's 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 rare to to have. I mean, could, could you imagine if if Leo DiCaprio if, if they were trying to push this in like a modern era uh, crime film, and then Leo and then DiCaprio's character got caught with a flip phone? Do you know how much shit that he would he would catch? You know, he's like, what the fuck are you using in that? But you know, every uh, all the gang members are on iPhones now and shit. <laughs> it'd you know, like, it all be emoticons. Yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> Wait, what is he typing out? Poopy face, poopy face. <laughs> Money bag. <laughs> the drop's going down in the sanitation department. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I mean, I, I think they did try to take that modern spin on it, but it, it, it was it was pretty pointless there, too. Um, I, I want to talk about Jack Nicholson. Uh, I, I know we, we hate his accent for sure. Uh, he's definitely very different from, you know, the, the Sam Hong character, who's just, you know, as, as Dan was saying, kind of your your gangster, your, your stereotypical gangster with the with the motivations of making money and and you know having power and whatnot. Jack Nicholson, it was kind of hard to tell like what his motivations actually were. So I think the whole point that they were going for with Jack Nicholson was that he was an informant for the FBI. So it didn't matter whether or not he had motivation at all. He just needed to keep everybody off of his ass. So he just decided to play it as like, ah, I'm this like erratic, like uh, irrational guy. You know, that's just the way that I am. And nobody would ever question him because he's just like, motherfucker's crazy. That's it. You know, like that's like that. That's the whole thing that he he used to keep his gang in control. But that doesn't make for a compelling character. Like, I don't care that you are an informant for the FBI. Like, I can't watch you like act like uh, honestly that you have some sort of mental illness for like almost three (laughs) hours. And make and make me feel anything for you, like like the scene where he was like throwing fucking blow on the hookers and shit. Like, yeah. that. what the 
fuck are yeah. you doing, dude? Like, yeah. any case. There were a lot of unnecessary scenes, I felt yeah. like, that involved yeah. Jack Nicholson. That I, I, don't I think know... it's, once you sign Jack Nicholson, you gotta give him a certain amount of screen <laughs> yeah. time. Like, yeah. <laughs> you know. Like, I don't know if it's a Scorsese thing, or if it, it was just a Jack Nicholson, but it was just, like, all these scenes where, like, just a bunch of shit's going on that it was, it was, I don't know, it was just so over the top. I mean, the other thing, too, is, like, and, and Scorsese has um, problems with this as well. It's when you give him too much license to do his own stuff, he tells, like, everything that there is to be the character. I mean, you'll know how many times Matt Damon was supposed to take a shit if, like, fucking Scorsese got his way because he thinks that that will add to the character. I I think that the more quirkiness that you add to a character, the more unnecessary detail that you add to there. I mean, you can keep in a little bit for flavor, but, the like, once you get past a certain threshold, it just becomes mundane, you know? Like, I wasn't scared of Jack Nicholson at the end of anything you know he didn't seem unstable he seemed like a dirty old man and i was wondering how he was able to keep respect for any of the gang members that he had in there so i mean that's that 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 was kind of my whole take with that yeah i also um thought the matt damon character was interesting not nearly as likable as andy lau mm-hmm. i don't know if that was an intentional on scorsese's part but uh he was a lot more arrogant and i think his motivations were more based on survival as opposed mm-hmm. to... I think Andy Lau's character uh, had a lot more internal conflict between good and evil and, and which side should he come down on. Matt Damon's character, I thought, just just wanted to live to see another day. Yeah, and I think that's the major difference between the two movies, right? Like, the like Matt Damon's character is, is supposed to be the most conflicted one, I think, right? Right. And in the end, he all he wanted to do was just, you know, survive like you said, survive. And then, like, it, it, actually his best, uh, the best moment of him is when he's riding down the elevator, right? And Leonardo DiCaprio has a gun on him, and he's about to be outed as, like, that, the dirty cop, right? And then Leonardo, Leonardo DiCaprio, or Matt Damon, just says, like, like, just, like, just fucking kill me, you know? Right. Like, that, that's a great line, actually, because it, it kind of shows who he is. Like, he doesn't want to, like, accept any of the responsibilities he, he could never really, you know, man up and, like, suffer, I guess. Maybe I'm interpreting it the wrong way. but. Well, no, I mean, I, I, I think that that's part of it. Like, there's nothing left for Matt Damon kind of to live for, you know? Like, I, I kind of felt as though him dying at the end was a foregone conclusion, you know? Uh, because when he when he walked in and Mark Wahlberg's dingham was pointing a gun at him, he's like, oh, God. It wasn't like, oh, I'm fucking surprised, you know? Like, it's just like, yeah, it's just fucking pull the trigger, dude. This thing has been going on, like, a week longer than I wanted it to go on. Just, just fucking kill me. <laughs> like, that, that kind of takes away from the strength of the character because, yes, Matt Damon wanted to... Like he he kind of wanted to lose his old life as well, but he wanted to do it on his own terms. And I, I mean, the fact that like the psychiatrist person kind of rejected him as well and left him nothing to live for, that was also done very poorly. And that was one of his only motivations to keep on going, you know, because he he really has nothing else going for him in his life except for this gig, you know. And once it ended, it was like, well, what the fuck do I do now, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and actually. It brings up a good uh, a good contrast between when they when and why they kill the the gang the gang bosses right. Matt Damon kills Jack Nicholson because he's worried he's going to be outed as as the you know police mole 
Like he, right. and it's very, very reactionary where he's like asking Jack Nicholson, like, why, you know, am, am I going to get in trouble? And then he almost doesn't want to kill him at first. He, he's just trying to find out information, right? So he just, killing what? Jack Nicholson was almost like reactionary. Whereas in Infernal right, Affairs... It was, because Jack Nicholson pulled a gun on him, and that's when he shot. Right, yeah. right. So It, it, was was, very... it wasn't his own volition at all. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah. Whereas Andy Lau, you know, he kind of, he owns up to it, right? He, he sets up yeah. the whole plan, and, and he does it not because he's he knows he's going to get caught. Because there he's ambitious, yeah. Because he's ambitious to... But, but I guess that was one thing I wasn't sure about with Infernal Affairs, is what was his change of heart? Like, when did that really occur? When, like, when he's... Because yeah. he wanted to be a good guy. I think but, but what what turned in him that made him say, you know what, I want to be a good guy about this? Was it was it the killing of Inspector Wong? Yeah, you know, because it seemed like to me watching it, he was just like all of a sudden like, you know what? Yeah, I think I want to be a good cop now. And yeah. I mean, I, I think it was kind of the falling out with Sam. Generally speaking, like he he more and more understood that Sam was being put in a vulnerable position. Like Sam's gonna get either Sam's gonna get caught or I'm gonna get caught, and I'm not gonna get fucking caught. So let's make sure Sam gets caught. And then once he's gone, nobody else will know like who I am. That, that way I can start living my own thing. I think that was always his goal, honestly. You know, like, um, from the get go, he, like, once he started doing this, once he started seeing like the accolades that he could get by being a member of, you know, a respected police division and everything like that, that, you know, like everybody looked up to him and he was getting all these awards. Oh, okay. This is fucking great. I'm being, I'm being complimented on the, on the work that I'm doing. I'm a contributing member of society, man. But there's just this like whole thing of like, I'm also a fucking villain, you know, like what am I going to do to get rid of this back history? Well, I'm going to burn the shit down so that no, nobody can get traced back to me. So I think it was an ambition of his from the, it was a goal of his from the very beginning. You know, it wasn't so much like, Oh, I'm afraid of Sam because I think everybody knew that, you know, look, looking at how competent Andy Lau's character was throughout the entire series is like, dude, there's no fucking doubt. Like if Sam dies and like Andy Lau decides that he wants to become a crime boss, there's no doubt that he could do that at all. You know, I don't think the same could be said for like Matt Damon and Jack Nicholson's like, uh, em- like criminal empire. You know, I, I like, I don't think that, Matt Damon was ambitious enough, was as charismatic enough, or, you know, like, had the same sort of, like, culture of criminality as Jack Nicholson did in that movie. Yeah, Matt Damon, I think Matt Damon actually did a good job acting for for who his character was, right? He played the kind of sleazy, you know, liar who could get by. Like, like all of us know somebody like that, right? I, I feel like uh, he blended in really well. Uh but you're right, like, for who his character was, it, it didn't fit in very well with the story or the themes of Infernal Affairs. But, right. Uh, so what what about uh, Leonardo DiCaprio as uh, as as the undercover cop? Did, did you think he did the part justice? <sighs> I don't like Leo. Oh. <laughs> I, I think Leo's an okay actor. And I think that in some roles, he's very fitting. I think in this role, it was just too much, you know, like, 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 are, is he on drugs throughout the entire movie? He looks so fucking paranoid. He's always sweating. Like, what's with the fucking mustache, dude? Like, <laughs> just, you know, like, come on, man. Like, he's not, he's not a sympathetic character, really. You know, I never went in and felt as though, like, 
Leo, like feeling bad for Leo. I'm just like, dude, the fuck are you doing, man? Like, uh, like he, there was nothing about him that made it seem like, oh, you know, I, I am still wanting to be a good guy. It's also just kind of like, this is, this is the life that I live, you know, like, ah, I'm a fucking scrappy dude. And then, you know, like, oh God, you know, like, I, I don't want to fucking die and all this other shit, but there's no sense of justice. There's no sense of like, there's no sense that he's kind of a real cop. There's no desire to go back there. I think that there's like an acknowledgement to, to him that he really can't reintegrate into like a cop's job after this. I, I just don't think that his performance was very compelling. I don't think it was different from a lot of the different type of stuff that we've seen. Like, do you know what's a great undercover movie? It's fucking Donnie Brasco. If they got Johnny Depp to do this, this flick, I think it would have been a better film, honestly. Uh, I don't know about Johnny Depp, but I, I, I've never seen Donnie Brasco, but I I have my reservations no, about watch Johnny, Johnny Brasco. I don't know. I don't know. All, all I see is Captain Jack Sparrow trying to be an undercover cop, and <laughs> that, that, that image doesn't sit well with me. Well, now Johnny Depp did a white, Whitey Bulger movie. So he did. He did. He's uh, on the other side. Of it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah I, I, I didn't think he did too bad. Um, I I have mixed feelings about Leo. I don't think he's, you know... He's not the greatest actor ever or anything, um, but I, I think I saw the sort of inner turmoil that the character's supposed to have, um, and so he kind of spirals out of control as the movie progresses. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, as I mentioned before, didn't like the interactions with the psychologist. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't think he did that badly. I thought, yeah, he even says at the end that he doesn't want to go back being a cop. I think that's one of his things where he's yeah. like, give me back my identity. No, I'm not going to be a cop. Like, So I think the character was written such that he did spiral out of control, I, I think, and he yeah. just fucking lost it. So him being like the kind of the shaking and like all the drug addict like characteristics, I think that was, I actually thought that was pretty fitting. Definitely was different than what Tony Leung did as in, in Infernal Affairs. But I, I, thought, I thought for the role that he had to play, he, he did all right. All right. <laughs> yeah. uh, so let's talk about some of the additional characters. Uh, Mark Wahlberg, not a character from the Infernal Affairs movie. Uh, he kind of just disappears, you know, during, you know, after Inspector uh, Martin Sheen's character dies. You know, he, he's kind of that, the piece of the police force that knows Leonardo DiCaprio's out there, but he's not there for some reason like that, that was kind of a weird plot point for me actually that you know you have this undercover guy you have somebody who knows there's this guy undercover but after the chief inspector dies he like that guy doesn't come out and say okay now we better get this guy out soon or what why didn't leo go to mark Wahlberg to try to like uh, you know, come up with a plan or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was so weird that, like, he didn't have Mark Wahlberg's direct number to, like, call him and be like, hey, like, get me the fuck out of here. Or, hey, Mark Wahlberg, I got all this evidence. Like, why don't you meet me on the rooftop and not, you know, Anthony Anderson? Uh, you know, there's, like, all these things that, like, right. like, Mark Wahlberg, I mean, like, in terms of, like, his lines, he was hilarious, Mark Wahlberg. I'm always a fan of that dude. But the character itself was just... Like, he was basically in the movie just to shoot Leonardo, uh, Matt Damon at the end. Like, that was the right. only purpose he served. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I think Mark Wahlberg was 
was there because of you know the the Boston clause. You know what 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 Dan was talking about earlier. They, <laughs> you got you got to have a Wahlberg in your Boston. <laughs> you got to have a Wahlberg yeah. in there at least one. <laughs> Any thoughts on, on Marky Mark? No, I, I agree with you on that. That yeah, he, he, it was mm. it's kind of doubling up on the Martin uh, Martin Sheen character, and and he was really just there to, to yeah, just to, to be the, the final executioner because you can't you can't let Matt Damon get away with it. Yeah, yeah, I guess America's more like China than we thought. Huh? A... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so but let's talk about that ending a little more. Um, you know, we he. He gets shot, not even arrested. He just dies, just like everybody else. So, in some sense, The Departed is a very fitting fitting title, because everybody dies, except for Vera Farmiga and Mark Wahlberg. Or do you think the ending should have been different? The, en- the ending for The Departed, for me, was so ham-fisted and over-the-top. And I mean, in part was hey, because don't don't like, forget the rat no, on the on the oh, on the balcony. God, <laughs> God get, get the fuck out of there with that, man! Like, like who the fuck? Like, oh my God, it's a rat because Matt Damon was a rat, and what? so was the. I don't. Want to, and then look, and he's and he's walking and he's walking away, so he's departing the room. Oh, it's called the departed. Oh, it all makes sense. What the fuck did you now. write this for, dude? This is like so, like a junior high kid's first introduction to goddamn symbolism and shit. It's like, no, the rat is there because they're both rats, which is the common name for an informant. Like, come on, man, get the fuck out of here with that shit. Like, like I, you know, I really hope Scorsese didn't come up with that one. It's like, yeah, that's a smart movie. That's a smart movie. That's a smart movie. You know, people aren't gonna see that one coming. I'm like, dude, like. We fucking get it. We just sat there two and a half hours of you fucking like interposing this shit throughout the like the entire fucking film. We don't need to see it at the fucking end. It's the most <laughs> ham-fisted shit ever. And okay, now that we're into it, Scorsese's shortcomings in this film, the fucking editing, like, like you, you, like the elevator scene in Infernal Affairs. There's music. It's dramatic. You know the. The score swells and like you, you you don't fucking expect it. And when Tony Leung gets shot, there's a fucking instrumental, and you're just like, what the fuck just happened? You know who who fucking shot Tony? You know what what's going on? And you're like like you're torn apart. You're thinking this guy's gonna finally get out, and you fucking come in and you see the Departed and like Leonardo DiCaprio. Like the music cuts. There's nothing. There's there's no drama to it at all. It's just like oh, Leo's fucking dead. Like, come on, man. I, I don't, I don't understand. Like, you didn't set up the scene at all for this. Like, this, this is, this is like a shock ending. This is some M. Night Shyamalan shit, you know? Not even one of his fucking good movies. Like, god damn. And like, who the fuck was his editor? Like, I get that you fucking like this Irish gangster music song that like shows up in every like goddamn Irish like gangster movie that comes around. But if you're going through the middle of a chase scene and there's still two minutes late, left in the chase scene, why do you stop the goddamn music? Do you know what? Do you know what scene that I'm talking about? Like they're sitting in the goddamn car going to the goddamn meet, and you're just like, what the fuck, oh, man? Yeah, yeah I, you like know, just stops in the middle of the, yeah, the, the, yeah. the car ride. I'm like, yeah, what the? Did somebody fuck up? Did yeah. somebody's head roll for this goddamn editing? And, and like, and, and it's not even just that. It's like, oh, okay. By the way. This is a remake. 
So when Jack Nicholson does the deal, they're going to do it with a Chinese gang. That's yeah. how we're going to know that it's a Chinese remake. I'm like, dude, fucking take take your dick out of your own mouth, man. Like this is some this is some fucking bullshit, dude. Like you know what? I think we've been very kind so far. You know, we point, we we pointed out like the little criticisms here and there of you know, like, oh, you know, like, this could have been done a little bit better. Oh, Jack Nicholson's character was a little bit weird. Yeah, Matt Damon, Matt Damon was like, yeah, you know, the motivations are different. No, this was just a shoddy film. Okay. And, and I, there's, there's nothing, there's nothing else beside it. You're just trying to stick in a pre-made story. You're trying to take like the iconic elements of it and not, not paying attention to any of the context or the setup and shoving it into this machine that you fucking made. And it is grotesque and it is a fucking terrible film. All right. It is ham fisted. It is fucking over the top. There's no subtlety to it at all. I've already seen all these fucking characters. I don't give a fuck about Billy Costigan. I don't give a fuck about like fucking what, what is his name? Ralph Dingham or whatever the fuck his name is at the very end. I don't give a fuck about Matt Damon. Fuck this fucking film. All right. Like watch the fucking original. Fuck the department. <laughs> I, I heard you, you, I, I, you've been I, listening to Jeff Lou tear apart Hollywood films. <laughs> I, I I forgot what I even asked you after all that. You were asking me, uh, how about the how about that that elevator scene? How about that rat? Scene? No, yeah, we're talking about the rat. Yeah, we're talking about the rat. Uh, okay. Well, Dan, before, do you have anything to say about the ending? I, I do want I do want to go into the elevator bit uh, because that, it, that that was interesting. Um, but we, we can talk about the rat or like the, the Mark Wahlberg, uh, execution. Uh, well, all I'll say about the ending that hasn't already been said about <laughs> is, is that, no, is that I felt the, the ending that the Infernal Affairs had, the Hong Kong version where you have Inspector Lau alive on the police force, um, burying Tony Leung and having to just internalize the sort of conflict that's going on with him, you could. I don't think you could do the same with the Matt Damon character because the Matt Damon character is such a tool, and you <laughs> you don't want him to get away with it. You don't want yeah. him to think about like you know you're turning a new leaf, but you have to still handle this. It's just kind of like no, this guy should be fucking <laughs> behind bars or executed or yeah. something. And, should be executed by Mark Wahlberg <laughs> in an exterminator's outfit or whatever the fuck he was wearing. <laughs> Yeah, um, yeah, I, I, I liked, and this kind of goes back to the ending of the Infernal Affairs. It, it, I think it kind of drives home, you know, it tries a little too hard with the final scene in Infernal Affairs, where they, they flash back to when um, young Tony Leung, Sean Yu, is being expelled out of uh, out of the police academy, and then they, you know, the the sar- drill sergeant is like, you know, pointing at him, saying, you know, he was a bad cop, he got expelled. Does anybody want to be like him? And then it, it cuts to, you know, Andy Lau standing there as, you know, they they kind of they show Edison Chen first, the young Andy Lau standing there in the in that in that line, and he says like, you know, oh, I, I wish it was me or something like that. I, I thought that was a little bit too much. Um, they could have just left it with Andy Lau, you know. Well, that and like you were saying earlier, with like the the um, it just cuts to where it's like six months later they found some files and yeah. it turned out that this is what it was and they, we'll give them a military funeral. Yeah, uh, uh, like they they, they condense some stuff too quickly there yeah. as well. Yeah. Um. So there's there's problems with both endings. Yeah. Yeah. But um, 
you know what? I will say this, and Emil, you pointed this one out uh, better that the um, that the transition on how Matt Damon kind of like rehabilitated Leonardo DiCaprio's character through the evidence or whatever was pulled off better in The Departed. Yeah, yeah that was absolutely a correction that was done better in The Departed. Yeah, where he's getting interviewed, uh, like, yeah. know, like what happened in the elevator, and he's, you know, yeah. he's doing right, his right. spiel, he's, like, being super shady, and he's like, oh, by the way, I'm recommending, you know, Billy Costigan for Medal of Honor, you know, all, all that. Post- posthumously, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that was awesome, actually. I thought that was very, yeah. very well done. Um, hmm. So they, they definitely got that part right. Uh, let's talk the uh, let's talk the elevator scene because you know going back to Infernal Affairs, you know Tony Leung's got got the gun to uh, you know uh, Andy Lau's head and you know, the elevator door opens. He looks back and then there's the gunshot. Right, body falls. One problem I had with that scene is like you hear the gunshot and then it shows Andy Lau like kind of looking around, wondering what happened, and then they flash back. To ten seconds ago, what happened? Which I thought was kind of like, like who, who does who does a flashback of what happened ten seconds ago, right? Anime. Wouldn't it, like, <laughs> wouldn't it have made more Naruto. sense? Naruto. <laughs> wouldn't it have made more sense if the next like it would have been like gunshot, and then the next scene is Ella is Andy Lau coming out of the elevator at the bottom of the building, holding up his bag, saying, "Don't worry, I'm a cop," and then he retells everything that happens from there, right? No, absolutely, yes. That's that's that, that would have been a better way to do it. Yeah, a flashback of 10 seconds of, like, you know, like... Well, it's also just the, the fact that the, 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 so the elevator door opens, he looks around and then gets shot. I yeah. thought there was someone in the elevator that shot him. Like, yeah. I, it, it, why did... Why did he wait till the elevator opened to shoot him. If well, I think it's because he looked away, and oh. then the other guy was just such an accurate shot. By the way, everyone shoots very accurately in these movies. Like everybody gets like a headshot like right away. Like no bullets were wasted in this movie. I felt like Hexor. <laughs> but yeah, so then uh, you know Andy Lau and uh, the other undercover uh, gang member get into the elevator, and you don't see it happen. But Andy Lau shoots the other guy while while riding that elevator down. Well, he took, like, three shots to kill the guy. I, I think... Because there was, like, three different holes in the yeah, top of the elevator. but I, I think he did that on purpose. Like, he killed the guy and then took another two to make it look like a struggle, oh. I think. Uh, but, yeah, you know, con- contrast that with The Departed, where they, you know, Leo and uh, Matt Damon make it down the elevator, and they come into the lobby, and that's when, you know, somebody comes out of nowhere and starts shooting people. That is all done in one shot with no music, and basically like four different people die in this. Three people, four people. Like four. There people. was an extra cop because there's the guy who went up to the roof. Yeah, who Anthony was, Anderson's who, up yeah, about it. Yeah, he's, um, uh, he knows Leo DiCaprio. There, yeah. So he, you can see why he was brought up there mm-hmm. because he's more trusting. But at the same time, that's another person you have to get rid of. Yeah. Yeah. So. So yeah, I think three. Yeah, three people die at the bottom of the. At the elevator bank, where it's just people, like, standing up and getting shot, turning around, the next person gets shot. Like, it, I remember watching that in the movie theater and being like, like, especially since I had seen Infernal Affairs before then, being like, this is so different than, like, mm. the original. And I don't know, like, why Martin Scorsese did it that way. Maybe just, maybe it was his attempt at shock value. I, I think movies movies are kind of going in that direction where... You know, you, you, you don't have music anymore. You have very brutal action scenes, uh, and it's all done in one shot. You don't 
close-up shots. You don't have you know, change camera angles just to make you feel like you're really in that scene. You keep it in one shot, no music. I don't think it worked well for for this movie. Uh, I don't know what you think, Dan. I think there's ways of doing it without music to make it like sort of gritty Dramatic. and fo- yeah, and focus in on on the crazy action that's going on. Mm-hmm. Um, but I I don't think it particularly went well with all of a sudden everyone getting shot in different directions and yeah. it's kind of chaotic and I don't know. I I, th- I thought the Infernal Affairs one was a little bit better mm-hmm. in that sense. Is there anything else that's memorable? That... I liked in Infernal Affairs the scene. So the, the initial scene where they meet in the stereo mm-hmm. store, and later on in the movie, there's the scene where the um, the stereo salesman drops by to to hand something off, and then there's the where the reveal is to um, Spectralab's wife that you know the the CD comes that uh, he kind of explains his backstory and has the evidence against him. Uh, I thought that was handled much more elegantly, and um, you know, you don't see it coming quite as much as just getting a CD in the mail that says, "Listen to this." <laughs> <laughs> a CD in the mail from somebody that she knew, right? And that's what made it weird because Vera Farmiga looks at the package and she's like. Oh, like it's Billy Costigan. I know this guy, and I know he's like an undercover cop. This must be something like I have to open. Like, yeah, I, yeah, I, I thought that was a little too straightforward. I think the way Infernal Affairs did it with the the, the stereo repairman coming by was 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 done a lot better. So, yeah, I, I think all in all, you know, they, the Departed did try to you know fix some of the uh, some of the mistakes of Infernal Affairs, but it, by doing so, they probably missed a lot of the big picture. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think they 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 fixed they fixed tiny holes in it, like logical errors, you know, they they fixed some of the uh transitions that were not as smooth, but they they didn't understand the spirit of the movie really. And I, I think that's what is the the biggest tragedy because I think this could have worked as an American film. I just don't think that like uh Scorsese did it well enough to do to to be that, you know. So you're saying we should remake it in uh, Connecticut and uh, Dan Luddy can get all his old buddies out? <laughs> Dude, I would fucking do that. Are you kidding me? That'd be great. Set it in Hartford. Find yeah. that in Connecticut. That'd be awesome. Dateline. 1999. Hartford, Connecticut. We all have Dan's flip phones out. Dan's man, Luddy, runs the Street here. <laughs> All right, well, thank you, gentlemen. Dan Luddy, thanks for uh, making a second appearance on the Ewang Bang podcast. We look forward to more reviews with you in the future. Yes, we do. Thank you very much. And Jeff Liu, always a pleasure. You are the man. Looking forward to the hate. Looking forward to the hate mail on this. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm sure Martin Scorsese is going to hear my podcast and uh, reach out to you and give you his yeah, thoughts. Sure. And explain why he did things. You're going to get so much hate mail from Boston now. (laughs) 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 It's a good thing you didn't say anything about the Patriots, too. It would just be, yeah. Yeah, I I love me my touchdown, Tommy. All righty, this is Emil Wang. Oh, this was Dan Luddy. (laughs) This is the E-Wang Bang Podcast. Keep on banging. Keep on banging.